Okay, so we're on the air now, and this is going to be, I believe, episode number 48 of Evolving with Corey Castle. I'm Corey Castle, and I'm joined via Skype by Mike Kaplan. Mike. It's true. I'm over here. <laughs> you are, over there. Well, um, yeah, man, I, I've heard you on so many podcasts, and I always feel like you and I would have the comp- some, some really cool conversations, if not like be friends or something like that and i was like i'm really like i'm really into um kind of like resources and community and building a tribe you know and uh sure when i when i heard you uh probably on duncan trussell's podcast i was like hey this guy seems like somebody i want to know and uh being in here we are here you here we are knowing each other yes what now, now what would you like to do? <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, kind of wanted to talk to you a little about, about comedy. I know, like, you, you have uh, something coming up. Is your, your February special coming up? Is that, um, is that uh, on uh, any kind of streaming services that I would know about? Oh, uh, I'm not positive what you're referring to, sincerely. Oh, okay, okay. I thought I saw something on, like, your Twitter um like banner thing. I thought that was the upcoming. Oh, you know, I should probably. I, that you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> does say that I have a new album coming out in February of 2017. Yeah, can't wait. So yeah, I mean, it's gonna be pretty great. Last year, um, it was that is my my newest album called No Kidding. Uh-huh. Uh which is available all of the places that you can get albums or tracks from albums or things streamed directly into your brain. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're listening to this, I assume you know how to get things streamed into your brain. So go to go to that source if you want, right. or a different one. One one of them or none of them, but most mm-hmm. most you know, ideally one of them. Oh yeah, I mean, or more. I'd say get listen to it. On Spotify first, and then buy it on iTunes. Then feel free to buy a physical copy mm-hmm. from uh, a special thing. Records is the record label, and there are physical elements that are even if you don't have a CD player. Uh, if you want a piece of beautiful art by my friend Ramin Nazer, who did the artwork, uh, and it's uh, he's wonderful, and I love the image. So feel free to just buy it. Buy one for looking at. Buy one for playing. Uh, I mean, do or or zero at your you any number. You just it's got to be a non-negative number. Please, I mean, I don't know what that would be. A, please don't steal them from other people, right? Which would make them have a negative number compared mm. to what they have now. Compared compared to zero, yes. Oh yeah. Um. But I thank you for doing that research, checking out my Twitter banner, and alerting me to the fact that uh, it's. I mean, it does. I think it. I want to jump, I'm going to double check and see if it does say the year, but if it doesn't, then the mistake. Oh, nope, it says it. A very, a very, I, mean, I wouldn't even call it a mistake that you made. You just, you're like, oh, wow, 217, here it comes. Uh, Dude, I'm not, you, I'm not really even used to it being the year that it is right now. Oh, like, yeah. It, it, it sometimes takes a little while before you start, like, when you write it down and then you, like, screw it up, and you got to, like, whoops, let me just put a real number that it actually is right next to that. I do know what you mean, though. I think, I don't know if this is, if I'm right about this, but here's what it feels like to me. What it feels like is if it's an even-numbered year, I get used to it quicker. Uh, I don't know if it's like, you know, an OCD-ish kind of, like, symmetry thing, Mm -hmm. where, you know, if I step... Step somewhere with one foot, I want to, like, step on the same, like, if it's on a crack or on, like, from pavement to grass or painted versus not painted floor. Like, I want to try, this isn't something that I spend a lot of time and effort in. You want to open and close the door four times instead of three times. No, no. Uh, It's all practical. Like, just sometimes I'll take, like, one larger step to do what I have to do. Uh, or do a little dance, uh, etc. Make yeah. a little um, uh, in order to get down tonight. But uh, yes, I think I don't know if it's just that. Oh, one year and another year, an odd year and an even year. 
know. Yeah, I do that. Close it up. My brain does that with weird things as well. Like when it comes to even like, like saying a word, I picture the word written out. It's it's a strange thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a weird visualization, but I never got it with one of the even numbers on the years though. That's fine. I mean, so we don't have to be exactly the same to be friends. No, no way. I, I'd prefer you not be exactly the same as me. That is a, a very practical preference. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very specific as well. It's like, hmm. yeah, you want to be anything but who I am. Um, uh, I mean, that's the way that I think of it is I want to be everything and what I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's not about not being you. It's about yes being me. Mm-hmm. You're nailing it. Uh, You're nailing it. So the question you said you wanted to bring up, comedy you mentioned my album that's coming out soon last year right uh do you have any any other specific questions about comedy or do you want me to take it from here no i mean like the the kind i kind of wanted to get into like some real world stuff really um, oh please because i was like gonna maybe I, i'm not really like i'm not really one for doing the so where are you from and what do you do but i do kind of want to get to like where like, uh, like siblings came like came into play. Did you have any siblings? Were your parents divorced? Were they together? That those kind of questions. I wanted to see if I could get like sort of the childhood background. If there was any kind of situations sure. that could bring up, you know, what brought you to be who you are and your your I, views on stuff. I like I like that you are have this awareness. That you're like, I don't want to say, like, where you're from and what do you do, but I do want to know where you're from and what you do. <laughs> right. So I can learn without asking that. I'm like, you've danced right around <laughs> it and gotten to the exact place you want to be. I grew up in New Jersey yeah. uh, with no siblings, only child, no first cousins, only grandchild. Oh. My mom was an only child. My dad had one brother. They had no kids. Uh, I had my one grandmother and grandfather. Uh that were living together like in the same town that I grew up in and one uh, and that was in New Jersey and then in New York City my other grandmother lived and her husband uh, was never alive when I was mm -hmm. uh, and I died before he was born mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so I grew up with my parents married until I was about somewhere in the 14-ish 13-14 region uh, and then my parents Split up. My dad remarried. My mom re eventually remarried and re-divorced. That's a word you don't hear much. Mm -hmm. Re-divorced. Re-divorced, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I lived with my mom through high school, and I would see my dad a couple times. Uh, like, I'd see, like, once a week for dinner or something, and then I would stay at his home uh, with my stepmother and stepsister and him uh, a couple times a month, like every other weekend or so. Uh, and... I went to, I guess, one major formative experience that I had that made me, uh, in large part, at least some of who I am, to, uh, I think if you want to parse that sentence, you'll find it contains zero information, but <laughs> the place, the thing that, that it is about is uh, the summer camp I went to. I went to a place called Bucks Rock uh, Creative and Performing Arts Camp, I believe is the full name. Okay. And it was a summer camp in Connecticut where it was sort of Montessori-based, where you could go anywhere and do anything, you just couldn't do nothing, like there were no specific time periods where you had to switch from this activity to this activity. If you wanted to paint seven hours a day, you could. So if you wanted it, to paint for five minutes, you could, you know. Was it like one of those cabin ones where you kind of just stay the, the whole summer? Like, cause oh, yeah. I, was, did the, <laughs> I did the, the day camp one where I just went for a couple hours and, and got out of my mom's was, hair in the summertime. I did that like when I was younger, but then when I was 11, I started at this two months away the whole summer uh, thing, and I went there from age 11 and into my 20s when I became a counselor, and uh, I taught music there. I sort of learned about lots of, lots of different things there, including, I'd say mostly, that there were nice people in the world, because that was a message that in high school I wasn't finding as consistently. Yeah, I mean it's tough, man. Like, like you add a, you put a bunch of kids together, and 
Some of them are pieces of shit, but then the pieces of shit rub off on the people who aren't pieces of shit. That's it can be. I think there's a lot of fear uh, in, I mean, in human beings, yeah. and perhaps even more so in uh, high school human beings. I read a study or a scientific something, or somebody made a thing up, and I don't remember where it's from, but uh, that I think when teenagers are like tested by looking at faces of different emotions, they will more uh, disproportionately than adults, they will see a fearful face and recognize it as anger. So if everyone's afraid because they think everyone's angry, then they're all looking at those fearful faces and reading other people as angry. And that's something that there is somewhere scientific data for, which also does sort of resonate with my own experience because there were, there were nice people. Like there definitely were nice kids. I had some friends uh, in high school, but overwhelmingly, like, because I was new to, I just moved as well, so I didn't grow up with these kids. It was just all these new kids, hundreds of kids, and I went to, like, a much smaller school. Uh, it was definitely an experience that I, I'd never had before. I never had to, like, meet new kids I, at all at once. I was never new, uh, and so it was uh, definitely, I wasn't, like, anxious necessarily, or maybe I was, but I definitely, I kind of just kept my distance and kept to myself uh, during the school year. But at the summer camp, it was like everybody was, it seemed like predominantly warm and welcoming and maybe were also, at their schools, the same kind of kids oh, that I was. I understand that for sure. Um, the, um, the question I wanted to kind of get into from that, or the topic at least, the like, Spirituality, where did that sort of come in? Did you, did that, was it like, did you practice a religion? Did you go to a church? Is just some kind of, like, fear in that as well? Like, did you have that, like, heaven and hell thrown at you at some point in your life? I, I didn't. Uh, I grew up, I mean, my, my family is uh, historically, ancestrally, culturally Jewish, uh, and Jews aren't the biggest on hell afterlife. They're like, we're dealing with hell during life. <laughs> um, and it wasn't, religion wasn't actually the main uh, important thing in my household. In fact, I feel like my parents were both music teachers and it was very important to my mom that like music was more of a religious experience uh, for me growing up than uh, in the way that, you know, other kids might have been forced to go to church, I was forced to play the violin and go to uh, le lessons every Monday and also uh, play in a quartet every Wednesday and go to a program all day every Saturday, you know, on the day of rest, uh, which, you know, for... I, it's always interesting, the, the idea of, like, the day of rest, the Sabbath in religion, is where, okay, the day of rest, where you must get up and go to this building and... <laughs> Sit there and, you know, this is the, the view of a child, at least. The view of a child that's like, well, this seems like the most work. This is, like, the same as work. Well, I want to rest. I just Thank wasted you. a rest day going someplace and doing something. And so, for me, it was that with music, uh, which also I, like, sort of grew to love in my teenage years. Uh, I didn't like being made to play the violin, uh, but I did love when I started teaching myself guitar, and so that, I think I sort of had the same kind of experience that a lot of people might if they are made to be religious, or, you know, they're, they're brought to a certain church or temple or religious experience thrust upon them that they don't understand uh, as a child because they are, you know, that's their brains or a child's brains, which, uh, not to say judging one way, like a lot of times, it's good to get back to having a child's brain after you've had an adult brain for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, go back and forth, but then sometimes people will, like, you know, leave their religion and then later in life be like, ah, you know, there's actually some things in this that I do like. Uh, and a lot of times people, I think, are more likely to end up with the religion of their parents. So I have ended up loving the religion of music as, uh, as my parents both practiced and I was encouraged to do, even though it didn't seem like I would. But with actual religion, I was sort of given more of a choice. Uh, like I went to Sunday school at a temple, a you know, synagogue from mm -hmm. age, I don't know, seven or eight, uh, until I got bar mitzvahed. Um, but mostly 
I remember my mom saying like that she just wanted me to have some kind of you know religious framework you know, kind of structure in place yeah. so that I didn't have a void that would get filled with a cult. Right. And she doesn't remember saying that, but I do remember her saying that. Um, <laughs> it's a very specific word for... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why I would think she said it. Cult? If, if uh, she didn't say it. Right, yeah. Um, for you to just but, pull out of the air. Yeah, you said cult. Yeah. That's what you said. <laughs> um, yeah, but the thing is, I, it was never... Like, religion was never the scary thing like, it wasn't, you know, fire and brimstone, mm -hmm. and you have to do all these things. I, you know, my parents definitely raised me to uh, be a nice person as much as possible, to care about others, family, friends, uh, community, environment, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But it was never like, you have to do this, or else, you know, there was like, or else, you know, if you don't do the right thing, then you are can't watch TV for a week or something. But it was never your eternal soul will be damned. So there was never any fear. All the fears in my life, I mean, it seemed practical. And maybe that's the way fear seems to most people. But at, at this point, uh, if I think about it, uh, I don't have, like, I'm, I have a very different relationship with fear in that when I feel it, uh, if I can, I remember that there's, there's some spiritual texts. There's a, have you heard of uh, A Course in Miracles? I have not. Who who uh, who wrote that? Uh, I don't know the name of the person. Uh, I could look it up, okay. but and well, I mean, you don't have to right now. <laughs> um, my my girlfriend uh, is the person who introduced it to me, and she's engaged with it uh, over the course of some chunks of her life. And it's as I understand it. I've read a little bit, and I've uh, listened to people discuss it a little bit at uh, at various sort of meetings and uh and sermons mm -hmm. and the general idea I, I think that the the language is christian but the content is potentially more buddhist and also doesn't claim to be the the only unique way to reach you know the truth uh, the truth being that love is the only thing that is real and that everything that fear is the absence of love right. and that everything in life is either coming from a place where you're offering love or where you're calling for love. And so if somebody is beat, like all the kids, if the perceptions that I had in high school, if a kid was mean to me, that was actually them calling for love. It doesn't seem it because we're like, you know, kind of triggering each other. And we're both, if you have, you know, multiple people who are calling for love, then it can, that's where arguments and fights and wars and things come from, yeah. uh, but, but the goal that I have is to try and see that, you know, we all, every human being started off as uh, not a human being, as, you know, a bunch of cells, matter, molecules, energy, uh, oh, and then... And the people factory. Uh, yeah, and then you be, you're a baby, mm -hmm. and I certainly, you know, I mean, whatever you believe about, if you believe in past lives, if you believe in karma, if you believe, uh, like... I, the thing that I that I don't specifically give much credence to is that a baby has you know any kind of sinful uh, attachment to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it seems to me that you know, baby, you're, you're born, you're new, at least in that incarnation, right. and then uh, and I was raised like to I think to believe maybe almost not too much, but maybe too much. Uh, that I was like, oh, you're you're special. You're the best. Like my family was very nice and encouraging. Like you can do anything. And I think that some of the you know some problems in society come from uh, like I'm a, a straight white male and I'm being told that I can do anything. And uh, now if you look at the news, there's a number of straight white males who shouldn't be doing just anything. And they should not uh, be told that they can do anything. Oh yeah, I mean, right. and so I'm, you know, learn. I've learned that I like. I'm not. I'm not. I, I've learned that I'm not perfect. I've learned that there are. Uh, I. But I've always kind of thought, at least had the idea that I, you know, I either should be or could be, or that you know I was doing uh, a good job. And I think you know I do. I'm doing the best job that I can. But that also involves looking back and seeing like, oh. Here are some ways that I have uh, done things in the past that maybe caused other people 
suffering, that caused uh, other people not to have their favorite experiences, that caused me to not have my favorite experiences. Uh, and so uh, it's all it's all a learning process. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so what I wanted so, to I wanted to ask was like, didn't you at one point? Uh, how did you go from? I think. Did you consider yourself an atheist? And then how did you go about that to winding up in circle and uh, grandmother ayahuasca ceremonies? Sure. I mean, <laughs> that's a funny question because the, I'm going to, I don't know if this is exact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little, uh, a re, a reframing and rephrasing because, and this isn't exactly, I'll, I'll, this will be the short answer and then the long answer, and the short answer is part of the long answer, but the short answer to the question of how did I go from identifying as an atheist to sitting in circles with Mother Ayahuasca or Grandmother Ayahuasca or whatever right. uh, part of the family tree, uh, literally a tree, mm -hmm. because it's um, the I, I went from the place that I am now is because... Uh, in large part because of the experience I've had with ayahuasca, which is actually really interesting because in this way, I have a joke, I talk about it on stage, and when I say I have a joke about it, I also mean I have a true thing about it, uh -huh, which right. is uh, that sometimes uh, they've asked, you know, they've been doing this these ceremonies with this plant medicine uh, for thousands of years in uh, South America, and when they ask them, the people who've been you know, practicing this lineage, how did you know? Like, how did you know the first time, how did you know to mix this vine and this leaf in this exact proportion, in this exact way, prepared like this, it would go in the body and have this effect on the consciousness? How did you know that that would happen? And the answer that they would always get is the plants told us to do it. Right. And so the joke that I would say is, well, okay, so you were already doing it. So how did you know then before that time, before the plants if the plants told you you were you were listening to the plants because you were already drinking the plants, how did the plants tell you if you weren't drinking the plants? And so, how did I come to uh, be sitting, you know, in these circles? Uh, is I started I, I, you know, by sitting in uh, sitting in the circle is what told me that I should be sitting in the circle. Um, and the reason that I got to that point was I talked to a friend who had done it, uh, and I'd sort of heard about it you know, years earlier, and I'd done, I'd done, like, no drugs growing up, I'd done, and I wouldn't even call this, quote-unquote, a drug, yeah, but same. for, you know, uh, work, for lack of uh, getting tied up in the semantics right. of it all, yeah. uh, I'd never, I didn't smoke pot until I was about 23 or 24, and I didn't love it, and then I did mushrooms, and I did love it, and then... From like you know mid twenties to mid thirties, I, I mushrooms was basically the only thing that I did like that. Mm -hmm. I uh, never did coke. I did maybe MDMA once or a few times, uh, and LSD once, uh, but mostly mushrooms until I talked to a good friend who had done ayahuasca, and he basically you know the. The caricature version for him uh, of how it, the experience was, was he's like, I was an angry person, and then I sat uh, with this medicine, and I am now not an angry person, or, you know, doing my best to uh, not want to be an angry person, because my dad was an angry person, and is an angry person, and I want to love everyone, including him, even though he is... Essentially, you know, calling for love from me by mistreating me. Right. It's a. It's like a. It's like a forgiveness without a sorry. Really. Um, it's, there's. Yeah. There's the, a a quote that I heard that I wonder who it's from. I, I should really learn this one. Uh, I say this a lot, uh, but I. Someone said once that life becomes easier when you learn to accept an apology that wasn't given. Right. Yeah. I. I have seen that on on uh, memes and stuff uh, or you know the inspirational stuff that gets floating around on Instagram and stuff but like I really feel that there's so much ego wrapped up in so many people and they're and like people who are ready to be mad are so much easier to be mad instead of just like becoming a, de a deliberate creator in 
your existence and just allowing life to piss you off. Instead, do stuff in the opposite direction of the stuff that pisses you off. It's, I've been reading uh, a book by Thich Nhat Hanh. You mm -hmm. know that guy? Yeah. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of books. He's written so many books. One of them I think I'm reading now is called How to Fight, and it talks about, um, like, when you feel anger, you know, that there's all the seeds in all of us that if we water them, they will grow into whatever emotion, like, all the emotions are possible. But that, and that we can, of course, like, nobody doesn't feel anger at some point, but you don't have to water the anger seed, because if you do, then it'll grow into, you know, an anger tree up in your consciousness, and it'll be more, more likely that you'll keep feeling that, and, I mean, not that there aren't things to be angry at, but uh, in this book, it's, it talks about, you know, if you don't want to be angry, like, say, at a friend, if you get into right. a fight with a friend, uh, and if you can objectively say, you know, at any point in your life, I'd rather not be, like, angry at my friend, fighting with my friend, then the thing that he talks about is loving your anger, you know, mm -hmm. and, like, and essentially that that, if you react to your anger with love, like, love for yourself, and also, potentially, love for the, you know, the object of your anger, uh, because seeing that we all are these, you know, previous babies, these, you know, just... Yeah. Beings, these sets, these blobs, striving to make sense of uh, what we are and what everything is, and that we all, you know, are hurting ourselves and each other. And you know, who among us has not hurt ourselves or another person? And so, if we, it's interesting. Sometimes there there are people who won't forgive themselves but will forgive others, and then there's other people who are sort of the reverse and. Uh, it's good to do, I mean, for me, both, you know, I'm not telling anybody that nobody, everybody has to come to their own path, their own decisions. Like we can only decide for ourselves that we want to be as loving as we can be of, of others and of ourselves. And that's obviously not to say like, you, you can't just go, I mean, you can, but I, my plan isn't to go around hurting people indiscriminately and then forgiving myself whether or not. They forgive me, and I, I accept their apology. I accept my own apology. Yeah. Uh, the goal is obviously to learn from times that uh, I have uh, hurt someone or wronged someone or hurt myself or wronged myself and strive to not do that, strive to do better. And, uh, yeah, so my buddy uh, who felt that way the, first, the first, very first time he did ayahuasca, mm -hmm. uh, he shared a story with me about it on my podcast, and I was like, this is, will you let me know the next time it's happening that I could do it? Right. And he did, and I did, and that was, you know, like maybe three and a half years ago. Yeah. And I've, I've just since uh, been, it's the, it's a valuable practice for me uh, because it is, it, it has uh, practical applications and uh, it's, it's both like, it sort of deals with, I'd say, I'd say like, you know, earthly matters and also, you know, other non-earthly matters for me, whether they're, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, like heavenly, hellish, like uh, my friends, I have sort of a group of friends that we do, we go to ceremonies sometimes together, sometimes separately, uh, and the idea that some, some of what we get from it is life coaching, and some of what we get from it is death coaching, and Life coaching is, as you would expect, uh, you know, sort of the, the common term meaning just it helps us uh, maybe if there's relationships that are difficult or ways that uh, we are striving to better ourselves in everyday life uh, that these issues arise and we can address them. And then the death coaching stuff is more like this, you know, what is, what is the universe? What is consciousness? What is, what are we actually, you know, seeing and feeling and what are we a part of? And I certainly don't have, uh, I, it doesn't guarantee any answers, right. but it certainly helps me uh, frame the questions. Yeah, I mean, I think the time frame of, the, and you were saying the, the first time, the first time you journeyed was around the same time I think I did. 
And the first time I was within it, there there was like, you know, everyone's everyone in that experience is having their own experience, and like, you know, you know, you don't touch anybody, you don't interfere with anybody's experience, but um, listening in on people crying, and someone goes, "Am I dying right now?" Like in the first time I ever I was ever in it, and I was like, "This is probably exactly what dying feels like," and it it does kind of give you. Uh, a more um, peace towards the idea of of you know what's next, but it's not certainty at all. Uh, I mean, it's there was a time when I a couple years ago vaped some marijuana, which isn't a thing that I do very frequently because mm-hmm. uh, I haven't had all like I've had inconsistent experiences with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular time. It made my head feel uh, very high and good immediately, mm-hmm. which then made me think, oh, no, like, I don't know if I took too much. How much did I take? What if this is only the beginning? And my worry was, what if I freak out later? Uh, and then I was able to calm myself by reminding myself that it felt good right now so that if I was going to freak out later, then that I would be able to deal with it later. Mm-hmm. And don't freak out now just because you think you're going to freak out later, because that means you'll, you don't want to freak out. So if you cannot freak out currently, uh, then that's the most you'll freak out is once later. But if you freak out now, then that actually will probably increase the likelihood that you'll freak out later. But worst case, you know, you're definitely freaking out if you're freaking out now. Yeah. But if you don't freak out now, then you don't freak out now, and you might not freak out later. And then that sort of analogizes to death for me. Yeah, you know, it'll be like, we, maybe I'll be are, asleep when I freak out. Maybe I'll miss it. Oh, yeah. I mean, right now, we are alive and will die. You right. know, that is what seems to be the most logical uh, course of action uh, based on all that we can see in our experience of living and seeing other people live and die. And so I've definitely been in a place, you know, years ago where regularly when I would think about, you know, sort of what I imagined an infinite void, like my consciousness no longer existing. Right, yeah. uh, that, That was in a way, you know, sort of terrifying in a in a, a, a sort of like a Mobius strip that I couldn't get out of like it would just loop and loop but I'm like oh no like it would it would terrify me but since I, I don't I don't know exactly how I can you know I, I can say these words uh, but since doing ayahuasca uh, I now like am not worried about that I know the facts are still, you know, what was going to happen before if I never did ayahuasca and I was, you know, if I freaked out my whole life until death or if I freaked out once in a while until death, uh, like maybe freaking out sometimes will make you do less risky things and you'll live longer, but longer, a longer life of freaking out more. It's just more fear on top of fear and it's not, it's not, it's not living as much as like just, you know, experiencing experiencing the things you want to experience instead of being afraid of everything. It's really, that, then, then that kind of puts you in the, in the, um, you're, you're kind of a spectator in the whole thing. You're, you know, uh, a scared spectator. Um, but the way I was looking at it, like the, you know, how there's like clickbait when they're like, Oh, the top 10 list of people, you'll never believe who's number four. And then you have to click it and you have to, you have to look through it. I feel like that is with like a lot of the fear and the stuff. Like even like words that people use that'll that'll get you mad. Like they're just that's the clickbait. Like the mad bait. They're throwing they're throwing that at your direction and you're like, oh no, I don't want to give you clicks. I'm gonna continue I'm gonna continue my experience without without uh wrapping myself up in in being upset about stuff that I can continue on my day and not even worry about. There's a, a Taoist thing that I like. Uh, I don't know the exact source, but it's something like uh, there are, let's say, things that you can control and things that you can't control. And maybe it's all one or all the other. But regardless, everything has to be either something that you can or can't control. And so if it's something for any particular thing, if it's something that you can't control, 
then don't worry about it because you can't control it. So why add worry on top of it? And if it's something that you can control, then don't worry about it because it's something that you can control. So no need to worry. So there's theoretically never a need to worry about anything that you can or can't control. And sometimes people are like, well, how do, what if I don't know which one it is? I'm like, well, that's also a thing that maybe you can't control. You can try to control knowing which one is which, or you can not know which one is which, and that's not within your control. And either way, that's a second level, no need to worry about it. And, uh, and if you're worried about that, uh, that's still fine too. You're, you're allowed to worry, you're allowed to be fearful, you're allowed to freak out. In fact, uh, you know, the, the med meditating that I've done, which I've only done for a couple of years now, uh, or maybe not even that much, uh, the guide in the, the app that I use, mm -hmm. I use Headspace, you know, he always talks about I'm familiar. Uh, the, that most anxiety or a lot of anxiety uh, in, of a certain kind uh, rises because of the differential, the discrepancy between where we are and where we want to be or where we think we should be, even yeah, even if it's like, I want to be not worried, I'm supposed to be not worried. Well, if you are worried, then, you know, embrace that, or be there, feel that. If you're angry, like, love that anger, feel that anger. Like, for me, there have been times when I've been in a bad mood or in a sad place for any particular reason, and but I've also, because of maybe the way that I was raised by my family, by society, or just my own individuality, uh, I would be mad at myself for being mad or sad about the fact that I was sad because I had this conception of myself, this concept of myself as somebody who shouldn't be sad or didn't want to. And that added to it. That made it, you know, like there's next, just a next rabbit, level negative. There's a big rabbit hole that you could fall into the retrospective, man, I was mad. I, you know, like how much you beat yourself up for being mad. And then like how you should have reacted in this one case when you, you know, wanted to act this way and what could have been avoided by doing that or doing this. You get yourself wrapped up in that. You're not going to worry about what today is and what living now is. And, uh, and the, the, this sort of goes back to a thing from earlier where if like most people, I assume who are listening, uh, and for you and for me and for a lot of people, like, let's say you have a friend, your best friend, or a good friend, or somebody that you care about a lot, some family member, somebody who you respect, and you think that they're, generally speaking, living life, uh, you know, doing their best, and you know that they're not perfect, and let's say they came to you and they were beating themselves up over something, if they were sad or upset about something, and then they were extra upset at themselves, uh, I think that we would all want, we would all want to encourage that person to not extra beat themselves up. Be like, it's okay to feel sad, it's okay to be upset, it's okay to be mad, it's okay to freak out. But if you can, we would try to encourage them to not be any extra mad at themselves for feeling those things, for being where they are, for being a human being who experiences the ebbs and flows, the spikes and dips of regular, normal human emotion. And so if we could care about our friend that much, and be as objective as possible in being like, I wouldn't want my friend to be, I don't want my friend to be sad, but if they are sad, I don't want them to be extra sad, then also it's good to conceive of yourself as your friend like that. And at, at times when you're feeling uh, that, feel free to try to talk yourself, not talk yourself out of it, but be aware, like be kind to yourself. Be as kind to yourself as you would be to your friend. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, kind of like the serenity prayer where it's like the... the the power, to, the power to change the things that I can, the, uh, what is it? The power to change the things I can, the, something, the wisdom, the wisdom, or the, to, to accept the things I can't, change the things I can't, or I'm screwing it up, but, it, but whatever it is, it's like the, the oh, yeah, wisdom to know the difference, the wisdom to know the difference is where the strength is. And I, I, uh, I always, I didn't get to that for so long. Like, the serenity prayer was always something I heard around, around my grandmother's house. It was like an AA, you know what I mean? So growing up, I'd always heard it, but I didn't understand the strength in the wisdom part until I got a little bit older. And I think, um, going into like the, the ceremony and, and all that stuff, it sort of like took me from having an unhealthy ego into realizing that ego is not, 
isn't really serving me so much. It's not really allowing me to get to where I want to be. Or it's like, you know, then it comes to that accountability and blaming things. And, and it's like, as long as you're focused on the rear view, you, you're not looking at what's in front of you. Oh, yeah. The, the interesting thing about the serenity prayer, uh, which is, I just looked it up, it's the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Right, yeah. I, I think that, I mean, obviously, you don't want to accept... Uh, it's interesting to think about it in terms of ego, because the idea of, like, God grant me... The serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, but ultimately, you know, we are these sort of just vessels uh, of, like, you know, I think there's like a, a Rumi poem that I like that uh, talks about us as like the humans as flutes through which the universe plays its music, and that we are just sort of, you know, we're not even like vessels that are. Uh, unchanging things like even the very material that we are made of that are you know our brains and our mouths and our hearts and our whole body like all of the subatomic particles are like flashing in and out of existence moment to moment uh and it still you know seems like that you know you're you and i'm me but also uh that what are those things that were these you know theseus's ships that are constantly like replacing parts and you know you remember the things from five minutes ago maybe and yesterday probably and a year ago some and like 20 years ago and but you know my mom doesn't remember saying a thing and i do and then you know memory itself is potentially a flawed construct because we're you know we're all like we're all just these sort of limited flawed pieces of this large complete whole universe uh and so i think i think i focus i i'm strive i strive the most to focus on uh serenity to accept um, the, the accepting the things whether i can change them or not like accepting things not to say don't try to change things uh but and also i think the wisdom to know the difference is something that you can only gain by like not knowing at first like you don't uh, gain wisdom like just immediately out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You uh, you have to try try to change things that can't be changed and learn that there are things that couldn't be changed. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe maybe accept the thing that you could have changed and be like, oh, I guess I could change that. You know. Yeah. Um, Almost everything kind of like brings you to who you want to be eventually. <laughs> you just gotta you gotta you gotta fail a couple times first. Like it certainly brings you to where you are eventually. My. Uh, my friend Zach Sherwin, uh, who is another wonderful comedian and uh, a best friend that I talk to, if not every day. I like best days. friends. Yeah, that's great. Oh, he, uh, he, had, he and I were talking recently, and he had, uh, he framed that he was, there was an issue in his life that he was like, I don't know what the answer to this is, and I wish that some, I wish that I could climb a mountain and, you know, talk to the wise person at the top of the mountain and tell them everything, and then have them, like, tell me, well, this is obviously where you need to be, or what you need to do, or the answer to your question, and the, and the thing that he, he said that was really noteworthy and valuable to me was, uh, he was like, I guess, you know, I will, I'm basically, you know, doing that climbing, I'm climbing that mountain, like, moving through life, moving through time, and when I get to the place where I know it, like, it'll be future me. I'm, I'm the wise person at the top who then knows after I do that time climb that we all have to, we can all, all only do our own time climbs. Like, nobody else can tell us who we are or what, we're, what we are to do. Uh, but we, like, we later will know what we were to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I like to uh, compare it to, like, the first board on Super Mario, the first time you've ever played. Super Mario. That guy kills you. That first guy kills you every time. Like, if it's your first time, that guy might kill you. If you watch somebody else play the first time, and then you play, then you'll know to get the hell out of the way. But the second time around, you're going to jump the hell out of the way of that guy and continue past. That makes sense. So, the, I, you know, knowledge, like, 
the best source from for knowledge is experience. You gotta you gotta you gotta live it to know like what you can sit back and think about like what you should have done or or uh, you know like uh, how what would have been the ideal situation and how things could be so different now. But if things were so different now than than the way they are, you'd be different and maybe not as good as you are. And uh, you know it's uh, it really is like comes down to if you. <clears throat> If you can accept not only the things you can't change, but accept that you're gonna you're gonna become uh, have, like somebody who has a better relationship with themselves, in accepting the fact that those things that could have went that way or could have went that way didn't, and they went the way they did, you're you're the jerk that you are now, and love it. It's true. I mean, there are certainly people out there, I would say, who may not love who they are now. And if they look back, if, you're, if you feel that way at all, and look back at things that you wish you had done differently or could have done better, you think, uh, first, you never know if you had done something differently. Like, maybe you would be worse off in a different way. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe there was... The things that I regret uh, are hurting people. And I wouldn't, obviously, I never hurt anyone intentionally. It was never my goal to make a person feel bad. Uh, but through making uh, mistakes and not being perfect, I did hurt. So I feel like those regrets are, they can be used by me, and if you can, if you can conceive of this as well, mm -hmm. as like fuel for future non-regrets that you know, you're not done living, mm -hmm. if you're not happy with where things are now, if you think there are things in the past that you could have done differently, well, then you can do those things differently Next every time. time they happen moving forward. There was one ayahuasca ceremony I did where I had just rewatched Groundhog Day, and so I had sort of Groundhog Day motifs <laughs> running through my experience, yeah. and it, it, it basically gave me the idea I mean, the, the framing that every day, uh, our whole life, is like Groundhog Day in that, not that the exact same kid is going to fall out of the same tree, but if, you know, somebody got hurt in a way that you were involved with before, then if you're ever in that situation again, you can avoid that person being hurt, whether that person is you or somebody else. And every day, maybe you'll find out something new because new things will happen. But then those can all be incorporated into your future day livings. And just every day, instead of trying to make the day happen exactly the same, the goal would be striving to make yourself the most loving, most kind, most accepting, most open uh all those things, like that, you're basically, you know, shaping, you're shaping yourself every day by the things that you do and the things that you think, and, uh, and you deserve, you deserve love, and you're capable of love, and, you know, if you don't think that that's true, like, there's definitely, uh, I, I love you, so there's at least one person who loves you, whoever right. you are. So you are lovable, and if you love yourself, that's another person. And if you don't love yourself, uh, I would say, you know, I know better than you, and I recommend loving yourself. It doesn't mean loving everything that you've done. It doesn't mean uh, Wait, loving... There, there's at least having, one lovable thing about you. That... Yeah, that if there are times that you've felt joy in your life, if there are times that you've uh, experienced some kind of positive connection with another person or an activity or a, a place or a thing, you yeah. know, any kind of noun or verb. Being proud uh, of achievements that, or, you know, I mean, proud of, uh, you know, proud of doing something selfless, that sort, of, that sort of thing. Or even just sometimes, you know, getting up in the morning uh, is a challenge to some and it is... Especially on uh, the day of rest. Yeah. It's, uh, if you, you don't, there's no specific thing that, you know, everyone has to do, but, uh, you can't, you have done things and you can do things. Uh, you may not be able to do everything that you want, but you can definitely, you can do something. Indeed. 
doing something is always better than doing nothing. And I that, mean, that's sometimes easy. doing nothing's fine too. Yeah, it's so easy to do nothing though. Sometimes when it comes to like, you know, canceling plan. Who? What was the comedian? Oh, John Mulaney. Who's like, he said the 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 bit about canceling plans is like heroin. Ah, I think Todd Barry has a, a great one about canceling plans, feeling great as well. Uh, but I will say, do you know this? Uh, it's kind of a Zen koan thing, or maybe I, I forget if I heard it from Ram Dass or somewhere else, mm-hmm. but uh, it's uh, don't just do something, sit there. <laughs> I have heard that one before, yeah. And it's... the thing that I, yeah, obviously, it's a plan, don't just sit there, do something, but it also doesn't mean don't do something. It says don't just do something. Sit there. You can sit there and do something. In fact, sitting there is doing something. Sometimes sometimes you need to hold space not only for other people, but hold space for yourself and really get in there and figure out why you're doing something. I mean, meditating was something that before, like two years ago, I never thought I would. I definitely didn't do it, and I didn't want to do it, partially because I was maybe under the, like, sort of, the, the kind of thinking that I wanted to fill my life with, you know, there's limited time, and there's so many experiences, and I can't have them all, so, like, you know, there's so many books, and TV shows, and movies, and podcasts, and friends to have coffee with, and sunsets to watch, and all these different, and walks to go on, and songs to sing, and write, and listen to, and so why would I, I'm like, my, my thinking previously was, why would I spend 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, however long a day? That's, that could be valuable time that I spend doing something, and now I almost can't imagine not doing it. Now it's valuable time that I spend sitting there. Yeah, so it's not some like uh, obligatory, I have to do this sort of thing. It's something that lends to you enjoying the rest of your day. I get to do it. You get to I, do it. Yeah, I, I like thinking not I gotta do this, but I get to do this. And not only, I mean, I would say for me, meditating isn't just about the rest of the day. It's in fact, I mean, it's about those moments. Like, I love those moments. Uh, I love those moments for what they are mm-hmm. and for how they sometimes make me feel and for how sometimes then afterwards when I start writing or, you know, thinking or, you know, conceiving of what the rest of the day will be and living the rest of the day, then yes, and I can think of the lessons of meditation throughout the day. And it, it's essentially, uh, you know, it helps me shape, like, my whole life in a way that I want. Like, I like, it's kind of like starting each day with a, a miniature Sabbath, a miniature day of rest, you know, 20 minutes of thoughtful, meditative rest. Are you familiar with... Uh, Napoleon Hill. I'm, I'm sorry, not Napoleon Hill. Um, Abraham Hicks. Uh, I've heard the name, but that's all I can say. Okay. Uh, there was it was it was something where um, my mom used to play us these like books on tape when we were young, and it was a lot about shifting from what I don't want to do, and instead of saying I don't want to do that, saying I want to do this, and that kind sure. of, that kind of changed a lot of things for you know for like being conscious of not talking about what you don't want. And talking about what you do want. And I've heard you talking about, uh, before when you, uh, I've heard you on other podcasts talking about, uh, I, I get to do this and I get to do that. Like you've referenced like, oh, I get to do my taxes and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that is in the same vein of that. And that was another thing where I was like, oh, well, you know, we're a little similar with, with a few of the, uh, the, the essential, essential like adjustments from like, your everyday person who goes like, oh, all these things that weigh on me and they suck. My my Tugger has always said, don't complain about getting old. So many people are denied the privilege. Sure. So I, uh, a thing, another related thing I like to think about is uh, I like to focus on Lomo as opposed to FOMO mm-hmm. uh, because anything that I'm missing out on is because... I'm doing something else that I hopefully want to do or get to do, whether or not, you know, even if it is doing my taxes, it's I'm doing my taxes so that I can 
live. And mm. it's I'm doing my taxes because I made money. Right. And I I get to not go to jail. <laughs> I get to keep you know being a free member of this society, uh, even if you know there are obviously uh, negative consequences. I don't like uh, all of the places that our government spends money. But uh, yeah, I mean focusing. And I don't want to say it, it's only pop, it's only the thing to do to focus on the positives uh, because there are like when you're angry, it's important to acknowledge the anger. When there is something that's difficult, it's it's good to be able to see the bright side of it, the silver lining in the cloud. Uh, but also sometimes recognizing and acknowledging my friend Zach, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we talk about, we don't want to dwell in the negative things that come up for us, but we call, we like to name them, not ignore them, and we call it Rumpelstiltskinning, where sometimes when you name a thing, uh, name a villainous thing, then that can help at least take away its power, because you're at least identifying the issue, and then can move forward more constructively. Call it bronchitis because ain't nobody got time for it. Huh. I don't know that. <laughs> it was a stupid viral video. Uh, the, the, got the, it. The, ain't nobody got time for that thing. I I don't know that video, no. but I am glad that you had the experience you had. No, yeah, that's okay. It's it it's a strike one. I mean, there's there's no strikes. It's just. <laughs> Yeah. Ending back where we started, apparently, once again, you and I are, for right now at least, different people. Well, um, I wanted to, and I, I usually say this to anybody, not just not just on the podcast, but I say it to most people who know me, if like there's ever a rumple still skinning coming around, and you know you need a resource, you need somebody to talk to you, judgment free. I'll, I'll, I'll hold space for you. I'm a resource. I want to be a resource in any way. If you want to talk about pro wrestling, which I kind of know a good amount about, um, <laughs> then we could talk about that. If you just want to like seek knowledge that you don't already have, that I may have, then I can sit and spit some to you. Um, and this, that's what, what, uh, what I thought was going to be like a really big, cool relief was that Whenever I hear you on anything else, dude, you're like, I think you're a genius. So I'm like, oh, well, if he's talking to me, I get it on record and I can record it and listen back and hear stuff that I may have missed the first time around. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I'm happy that we have had this opportunity to talk and I'm, uh, I'll be happy to also talk to you again and I appreciate your being a resource and... I'll also offer the same to you without the emphasis on pro wrestling. Amateur wrestling only for this. <laughs> um, Singlets and headpieces, or whatever they're called, headgear. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's, thank you so much for you know inviting me to be on your show and wanting to talk to me and, uh, and having this conversation with me. It's been a great pleasure. Mike, what I usually do... Uh, towards the end and the wrapping up part is I sure. usually hand what would be the Jerry's final thought to the person who I'm talking to and say, you know, if, if evolving with Corey Castle became evolving with Mike Kaplan, how would Mike Kaplan end the episode to sum it all up? I guess in this particular episode, we started as different people, and it seemed like we were going to end as different people, but now you have evolved into me, because now I am giving the final thoughts of your show. And I would say that in some ways, you know, we talked about treating others as we would ourselves, kindly, hopefully, and or treating ourselves as we would treat our loved ones, uh, kindly, I would hope. So... Whoever the person is that you treat the most kindly, whether it's yourself or a loved one, uh, I would encourage you to treat as many people like that as possible because everyone, you are a loved one to someone uh, like me, if not anyone else. And, uh, and you deserve love 
and we all deserve. We all deserve to give and receive love, to keep being these flutes that play universal love music. So uh, keep playing your flute, whatever shape it is, uh, however you can and want, and uh, best of luck. And if things aren't uh, your favorite, uh, they will change eventually. And if things are your favorite, they will change eventually too, but don't think about that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, I have a couple more questions for you, but I'll save it for round two, if we ever get a chance to do that. If you come, I'm sure we will. If you come through Philadelphia, you got a spot. You can come and hang out in here in the studio with me. You can uh, crash on my couch or something if that's what you need to do. But you'll probably get a hotel or something. <laughs> I understand and place. appreciate uh, your offer. I'll keep it in mind, and hopefully we will be in the same physical geographic place at some point. But if not, let's do another one of these. Whatever you like. I would appreciate that. Thank you for taking some time, and uh, good luck at your show. Uh, thank you so much. Keep Thanks on for having me. Keep on the phone. Uh, you as well. No choice. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. Bye.